Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with Monkey Tennis. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, it's Tom Dark, not Stab here. Welcome to part two of our Nomad Deep Dive, with more to follow over the next few weeks. Without further ado, let's get back to the action as we delve into chapters one and two. Bosh. I must complete the journey that my father never could. I must do it on foot. Can't remember why. It will be called The Footsteps of My Father Walk. My home isn't insulated. Monkey tennis? Heathrow is just an absolute tit of an airport. Quite simply, cows. Monkey tennis? With a stupid Ewok head. Lobber on him, nosy. Love you, Aim. Monkey tennis? A total wazzock of a guy. Infinity, the final frontier. Monkey tennis? We will talk about it now, Mr. Nichols. Monkey tennis? Motherfucker. Gary Wilmot. Okay. Sue Cook. Okay. Dale Winton. Okay. Monkey tennis? Oh, fuck off, Nick. And we're on to chapter one, Cold Opening, which is a brilliant name for a chapter for so many reasons. The main one being that <laughs> it's a, ba- I think it's a bastardization of Cold Open. Uh, that's the that's the TV yeah, term, of course, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, rather than opening. So ah, he's, right. He's anglicised. Oh, yeah. He's anglicised an American term. Cold Open is obviously we we open the episode straight into a scene and you save yes. the credits for later. Um, the other thing is that the only reason you do a Cold Open is for impact. So by announcing that it's a Cold Opening before you do <laughs> yeah. it, you've ruined the point immediately. <laughs> and good. also, we've had so much prologue and everything before this as well. Arguably, it is even a cold open no, yeah. exactly we've been through about 15 title pages um and so he goes four minutes four minutes to save east anglia <laughs> i thought firstly these stakes are very much medium aren't they it's yeah. the worst episode of 24 ever isn't it <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah could have been the world and i mean i think we all knew as we read this that east anglia was in no peril and this is another literary device of allen's 
Um, so he's claiming he's got 240 seconds. He looks at his watch and in slow motion, he mouths the word motherfucker. <laughs> Brackets motherfucker. <laughs> I, I would say as well, whenever we, uh, over the last few weeks, whenever we've posted on our socials about the fact we're covering Nomad, I think that seems to be the most commonly com- uh, commonly used comment is just motherfucker. It's definitely Let, a favourite. Let's hear it from Alan now. I look at my watch and in slow motion, I mouth the word motherfucker. Very nice. Um, so yeah, he claiming he has to get to the top of a hill to stop some kind of uh, nuclear meltdown, I think. And uh, there's 10 metres to go with a sixth of a second remaining. Well, we know that can't be true because he would never clear that distance in that time. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, he's done it. He's done it. East Anglia is saved. Um, and then he realises he's celebrating, jumping up and down, arms aloft like Rambo on the steps of Philadelphia Town Hall. Yeah. That's a mistake, isn't it, surely? Yes. Is it a mistake? No. Is it- is it Philadelphia? Is it Philadelphia Town Hall? Well, it's Philadelphia. Well, I think it's. It? I think the joke there is that he's describing it as a town hall, as if you have town halls in America. Also, yeah. Philadelphia oh, is a city, right. not yeah, a town. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I also imagine there's probably something that we've missed, where actually that building is a very famous building with with its own kind of recognisable name. It's like calling the White House, you know, the big president's house. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not until the next uh, paragraph that we realise, in reality, of course, no lives were at risk. Um, <laughs> what a surprise! Yeah, uh, even if they had been, he could have done little or nothing to save them. So what gived? <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's describing a motivational technique. A uh, stunningly uh, effective motivational technique. Uh, a technique he pioneered in primary school, climbs to the top of this rope or granddad kills himself, catch the ball three times in a row or you contract herpes. And I thought, is this a technique or is that OCD? Or is it just, uh, well, an, a naff attempt to drum up some kind of tension, obviously at the beginning of the book and yeah. It hasn't worked. Very much that, yes. Also, it's only about 100 words. Like, it's not even that long. Like, the tension that he's built up for this scene getting to the top of the hill is is not... It barely fills two pages. And I, li- I like the fact that he strings it out, like, like by segments of the second by second, because yeah. obviously he can't actually obtain the, mo- the yeah, motivational yeah, yeah. technique that he's trying to set. Half a second. Yeah. A quarter of a second. Yeah. I think the biggest, uh, the biggest kind of narrative literary mess is coming up where he says uh, blah 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 uh, I'm, I'm chipping away at the walk and god christ it needs chipping away at the footsteps of my father walk is 160 miles long now at this point he hasn't explained that he's going on a walk he hasn't That's he hasn't really named it one. as the footsteps of my father walk. <laughs> yeah. he's literally just thrown it in as if we already know exactly what he's doing that's a yeah, really that's good point odd. yeah that's odd do you think that that's uh that's intentional I think there yeah. are a number of things littered throughout the book that that are that could be intentional or could be sloppy, safe in the knowledge that Alan would be sloppy, so it's yeah, okay to yeah. be sloppy. It's it's funny, I hadn't really thought about that because obviously I've I've read the book quite a few times, so mm. some something like that, I'm like, yeah, I know that. But it's just that that's yeah. not in and of itself particularly funny. It doesn't really add anything. So kind of to your point, is it an error? Or is it just it's an error that can be kind of written off because Alan would have made that mistake? I think it's an error in the APU. It's a consistent yeah. Alan-esque, okay. Alan-esque yeah, style of writing, isn't it's it? Kind of like, he's been talking for two chapters and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going on this big walk. <laughs> just, just throw, like, just throw that out there. Yeah. Also, at this point, it's 160 miles long, but will it be by the end? Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, he ends the chapter by saying, I'm Alan Partridge. I'm under a little pressure, but I'm focused and happy. And I thought that's quite a telling line about his relationship with pressure because we know it's not great. Yeah. He buckles. Yeah. There's also a line that I will be um, using as well whenever I want to kind of give myself a little pep and that is I feel more Dimbleby than ever (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so on to chapter two what has driven me to walk driven in italics Alan's italics I'm sure he's very happy with himself about that little play on words it opens with a quote will they be taking me for lunch I've forgotten my toothpicks which indicates that Alan can't eat without getting food stuck in his teeth (laughs) Um, and uh, he's 
basically replying to uh, Lynn. First mention of Lynn here. Well, I say mention of Lynn. He obviously refers to her as my assistant. Presumably, that's to stop her getting ideas of other station and to remind her that she's replaceable. That's why he's uh, he, he never actually says Oh, yeah, yeah. And just, just to put her down, basically. Any opportunity to put her down. Um, so we learn that he is going to what he believes is an invitation to pitch ideas at the BBC. And we know that he must be on a high because obviously he's letting um, his assistant drive, which he would never, never do. Never do, yeah. So he's obviously very excited, very buoyed about the fact that he's been invited yeah, is that to because he wants to be focused on the BBC meeting and just to be honest about when, when he said that I was very surprised that yeah. even uh, under such circumstances that Lynn would be allowed to drive but this is where we are yep. although he does sometimes like Lynn to just come and pick him up from yeah. situations true, so. true it certainly doesn't preclude him from criticising her driving he says uh, today she can adjust the steering column and even angle the wing mirrors if she likes uh, which I thought is an ab- that's a safety must I was going to say absolutely yeah yeah that's not that's not a privilege that's just ensuring your safety and everyone in the car do you think on lesser days she's not allowed to move his settings as she has to crane to see yeah. if there's a car behind <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, uh, he does, she can't fiddle with the three pre-programmed seating positions, though, which he's named Cruise, Rally, and Service Station Kip, I or thought, SSK. I thought they were genuinely brilliant as well. If I ever own a car which uh, allows you to have electronic seat settings, you would I would, absolutely I would definitely that. calibrate them along these lines, because they sound like uh, the perfect thing that you would need if, uh, as far as seat settings go. Uh, so this, uh, <laughs> this meeting at the BBC, I think, is, is designed to be a neat way of sparking the hairs conversation in readers' minds and bringing us back to uh, his previous mm. tangles mm. with the BBC. Uh, he says his task is to pitch some ideas at commissioners who responded to his assistant's mail drop by calling him in to hear more. Now, I mean, I'd love to read the mail drop. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what is Lynn yeah. writing yeah. to get him invited to this thing? Uh, and I mean, is she literally just cold calling old contacts at the BBC? Is that that's basically what he's describing, isn't he? I'd imagine so. Yeah. Uh, so he says it's an unexpected invitation but Utree has been a knight of the long knives for broadcasters of a certain age and left a hole in the roster of greying presenters that not even that woman who sued Countryfile could fill uh, so that's a reference to Miriam O'Reilly uh, who sued uh, the BBC for sexism and ageism uh, and she won the ageism oh. case in January 2011 though she did not win the sexism case I was going to say I'm, I, I was quite pleased when first reading this book the fact that they do address Utree kind of head on within the second chapter because I think Very it would almost it would be, but it would be quite weird to kind of not reference that when so much is about Alan and the sort of broadcasters that he mentions. And I just think it's quite a nice bit of phrasing that it's been a night of the a night of the long knives. Yeah, and it's absolutely some, it's kind of foreshadowing for the premise of this time as well. You know, in that yeah. they, yeah, yeah, they yeah, needed they needed someone of his type, and there weren't a huge amount of options to choose from. Yeah. And John yeah. Baskell had died. <laughs> Hashtag John gone. John John Baskell. <laughs> the John Baskell Foundation. <laughs> Broadly good. Uh, so they arrive, they arrive at the BBC. Alan shouts, "Stop the car!" <laughs> Has no faith in Lynn to do it otherwise. My assistant slams on the brakes. Her one and only method of braking in all honesty I, you can totally imagine that yeah, can't you? she really doesn't have gentle feet <laughs> um, and then he spots across the road from broadcasting house about to enter the Langham Hotel Julia Bradbury uh, so this is post Mid-Morning Matters series 2 isn't it so mm-hmm. his feelings for Julia are, are well known uh, there's a footnote here which is in the book that doesn't appear in the audio um, for the Langham Hotel um, I don't know why it's not in the audio book because I quite like it uh, the footnote reads never stayed there myself it's always seemed a bit jazz hands with its over elaborate cream teas and the cost of G&T's comfortably in the double figures uh, Langham Hotel all, all true by the way yeah, yeah, I was going to say Langham Hotel is real isn't it yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. it's literally across the road from BBC yeah. so that is all grounded in fact fact uh, he describes Julia Bradbury as having sent him a lovely message when he posted her a copy of his last book, I Partridge, uh, then texted her to make sure it had arrived, and she texted him saying, got your book, thanks. <laughs> a glowing review. Yeah. Uh, and he notices that she's with shorthead presenter Claire Balding and a well-oiled gentleman, all three are in high spirits, uh, and immediately he starts to try and ingratiate himself with this crowd. 
Um, the, oh. These are scenes where obviously you can picture what's happening, but I really would like to see this played out in a in a visual form where essentially Alan is trying to talk to people who are mm. essentially just ignoring him yep. and yep. him just trying to coerce himself into the conversation. Whilst also blaming traffic and sort of anything else for the fact that they're not listening to him. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. It's, it's, I think that's a, a consistent theme throughout the book is Alan having digs at London, isn't there? So traffic that clogs up every road in the city. People always tell you the streets are paved with gold in London. They don't say you'll need to lift a bus out of the way to get at it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're having a chat, uh, Julia, Claire Balding, and the well-oiled gentleman about the differences between BBC and Channel Four. Um, he tries to chip in with his contribution, which I think is very funny, but obviously not what they were talking yeah. about. Um, it's oh, a good observation, though. It's not bad. Yeah, uh, Channel Four shows start with a very British, and the BBC shows start with the Great British. Two very different approaches to British TV. <laughs> do, you, do you have the list of examples? I do, um, and they're all real. Uh, so, uh, coup brothel sex scandal and ufo hoax on the on channel four side so they're all very british and then menu bake-off railway journeys and sewing bee they're all great british also a very nice subtle dig at sort of homogenous programming at both channels isn't it yes absolutely um so yeah that's really good uh the conversation continues and um he claimed he, 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 they're talking about uh, the rambling gig on Radio 4 that, that one of them's got. And he says, uh, why have I never heard of it? And then he realizes because he doesn't listen to Radio 4, <laughs> which made me think, what does he listen to? Presumably only North Norfolk Digital, maybe a smattering of Radio 2. Oh, LBC, I reckon. I think he's all over LBC. Oh, I think Alan it. would love a gig on LBC. I could imagine him only ever listening to North Norfolk Digital and just getting annoyed at all the other presenters and what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's probably that. But I, I like the the, the, the the idea as well that Alan has this rule. No, no, I don't listen to Radio 4. Like, regardless, he yeah. just won't listen. Uh, more more slamming of homogenous programming when he says that Julia Bradbury's done Wainwright's walks, railways walks, canal walks, Icelandic walks. Harvey's got a walking all the way to the bank, <laughs> to which Alan says, who commissioned that? Let me guess Channel 4. <laughs> no, I just mean she's doing well financially. But he would watch that as well. I th- yes. And I think most of those Bradbury programs are real as well. Uh, well, I've not heard of any of them, but it made me realise that I just don't watch a lot of TV, to be honest. Yeah. I hadn't heard of many of these apart from the obvious things like Bake mm. Off. Um, but Same. Otherwise, yeah. Well, no I, I've got more on Bradbury's Walks later. Okay, fine. Uh, stay, stay tuned. That, that <laughs> yeah. is a real, that is a do, real do, do come back listeners. For that. Don't miss it. <laughs> always be about, always about six ahead. weeks as well. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it becomes apparent from this exchange that basically uh, they gave him the idea for Nomad. Uh, for the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This wasn't an original idea of Alan's at all. It's just something he overheard from, from better broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh oh, doesn't he suggest a few as well uh he says uh he could go east to west across england's narrowest point the belt line of brittle britain or just a rectangle around the midlands i call that one the guts of albion uh and then uh harvey kennedy uh, who's the well-oiled gentleman in this conversation says it helps if it has some historical or personal significance you know literally writing this book for alan at this point <laughs> Uh, he says he pats he pats my shoulder as if to say I like you, Alan. Uh, very much. It's another one of those. His pats seem to suggest. You know, yeah, his eyes that, seem that, to say. That's another. That, that's quite consistent throughout the book. I think that as if to say, and it's obviously the opposite. He's just twisting it. Who do you think would play uh, Harvey Kennedy in a TV adaptation of Nomad? I've I've got my pick. Uh, the actor David Haig, who you may know from The Thin Blue Line and The Thick of It. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, that's that's a great shout. Yeah. Um, if have I just nailed that then basically <laughs> yeah I mean, we, we could go around but I'd be happy to cast him yep I'd take that uh, David Suchet perhaps good one yeah, yeah that was good like yeah, that. yeah, yeah like like that. That. and I've got an absolute brain fart on the name of the guy who was who's the who's the lead in the King's speech Colin oh, Firth Colin, no yes oh <laughs> I, I said no 
I mean, yes. Yeah. Okay, and also that's not who I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you mean uh, the the speech therapist, Jeffrey yes. Rush? Yeah, Jeffrey no, Rush. I don't mean him. You mean either. David David Thewlis? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, David no. Thewlis would be Toby good. Jones. No, he'd be good. Let's. Yeah, he would be good, but he's not who I'm thinking of. Okay, fine. don't, don't <laughs> worry. About, don't I give up with this game. Where there's almost <laughs> no clues. Uh, if anyone knows That'd who I'm really thinking, if anyone knows who I'm thinking of, the partridgepod at gmail.com, Please do tell me. <laughs> Um, so Alan's fully, fully razzed. Yeah, he's had to go into the he's had to go into the bog though to razz himself up. Oh, can I just say as well? I did enjoy that he has a the, the line. Quick final glance at Bradbury before he <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and a, a withering put down of all of the younger people in fishermen's woolly hats pitching ideas at the BBC. One man wearing a fisherman's woolly hat is on a raised stage saying something about a fashion program for the discerning mature gent, adding that it's more George Clooney than George Lazenby. Everyone laughs, but I once shared a piano with George. <laughs> Lazenby and don't yeah I want yeah but I want way more of that story I'd love to hear about the uh, paella fiasco yeah. but we'll never know uh, so he blames Lynn because he thought it was a one-on-one meeting and it turns out it's an open day I'll also never get bored of hearing Alan slag off young people as well <laughs> like I'll never get bored of it young people and London yes yeah. always slag off young people in London this is like when my neighbour had a go at me and told me I was living a hipster lifestyle because I once had a barbecue <laughs> how dare you bloody hipsters Although it's interesting to note that um, the idea of Alan going to the BBC uh, on what he thinks is uh, an invitation to pitch ideas but turns out to be an open day was actually one of the alternate openings discussed for um, Alpha Papa. So if you listen to the uh, DVD commentary of Alpha Papa, the Gibbons and Steve Coogan talk about the different ways they were planning to open Alpha Papa. And one of the ideas was back at the BBC... Alan thinking he's going to pitch an idea or ideas from his portfolio, mm. and then it turns out it's an open day. Yeah, uh, Neil Gibbons actually, in an interview with Esquire back in 2013, said uh, exactly on this point in the original script at the start of the film, Alan is invited to the BBC to pitch some ideas. He's delighted and prepares massively, but when he gets there, he walks into a massive room with hundreds of people in it who've all been invited. He misread the invitation, it was just an open day. He then drowns in front of all these cool, relevant Hoxton types. Oh, so he actually does get involved in the open day, he doesn't just sort of storm out. Uh, yeah, it looks, looks like yeah. he would well just kind of spaffed it because that's a crucial point in the book is that he says check your eyes woman to (laughs) it's an open day it's clearly an open day now from that jumping off point you would you would think that he's already at the bbc with program ideas he might as well have a bloody good go at it but the next paragraph opens not to worry and with that we bob out of the door and head back to norfolk (laughs) i drive so lynn's driving privileges have been revoked as well (laughs) i would quite like to have seen that alan sort of going into pitch ideas but would it have been a little bit I mean, the reason that the, the the Gibbons say that they didn't go with that as an idea for Alpha Papa was because uh, the BBC w- is too synonymous with Alan. So I don't think they were quite ready to revisit Alan at the BBC back then before, obviously, they went on to do this I guess time. they wanted it to be yeah. more of a departure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, yeah, they go on to say that um, they always try to subvert uh, what they do with Alan. So if they, they say in the commentary, if a fan could come up with the idea they bin it off so they always want to keep people guessing right, and do right, something right. different rather than what people expect of Alan which I, I think is good because it creates you mm. know uh, it it's refreshes the, the character yeah. Yeah. yeah I also think if they opened the film with Alan at the BBC and then the rest of the film didn't involve the BBC people might feel a bit shortchanged. I also mm. think you've got the BBC card to play and that is a massive card don't just throw it away with him being there and then just walking out that's Fair, such yeah. a first two minutes of the film yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a big thing mm. uh, so they're on their way back to Norfolk he says uh, well the only people who wear fishermen's hats are the trawlerman at Brandcaster all the while discussing potential competition ideas for mid-morning matters the digital radio show that keeps me both happy and fulfilled and content that is a great line for so many reasons obviously he's he's subtly trying to undermine the idea that 
he's it doesn't it doesn't keep any, him any yeah. of those things but also he says it keeps him both and then he names three things <laughs> which is yeah. another, another bit of uh, a good. bit of a fuck up there um but later that night he lies awake and realizes that i alan partridge am in the grip of a grump uh he does love to downplay his anxiety and depression doesn't he clinically fed up etc mm. uh yeah he, he tries to sort of diminish the idea that he's 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 having having a real problem but adam it's nothing to do with the absence of telework it's not he couldn't give a shit about that much like uh, his his references to uh, Noel Edmonds, I think later later in this book. Save yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's that perspective flip thing where you know it, you know the reality is the opposite of what he's writing. Uh, and so yeah, he's trying to uh, he's now trying to set up the premise for this book, uh, basically saying that he's there's something wrong. He's been sleepwalking. He's an autopilot. You know what's gone wrong. Um, he also said one of his examples of his mind lapses is that he parked in a standard space instead of a disabled bay, completely forgetting that his assistant is in the car and carries her blue badge with her. And I thought, do we know what Lynn's disability is? Uh, no, I'm not I don't sure. Think it's ever no, I don't think so. No. No, no. Um, just a quick note. Uh, Alan says that he's been sleepwalking. Obviously, he doesn't mean literally. And then there's a really great footnote that goes into detail about Alan's uh, skepticism when it comes to uh, sleepwalking. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll read a bit of it now. No, the whole thing is a smokescreen, a get out of jail free card, and it just doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Raided the fridge when you're supposed to be on a diet, sleepwalking. Took a hammer to a much-loved CD collection, sleepwalking. Found in the spare room with your colleague Philip after your husband had to let him stay over because he's had two glasses of wine and was over the limit, even though they were only small glasses and he was clearly fine fine to drive, sleepwalking. Come off it, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so she's done all three of those things, and it's obviously another affair, isn't it? So yeah. Is this, is this the first time that we get a hint that it wasn't just the narcissistic sports pimp? That she's oh, yeah. Like? Yeah, 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 I think good so. Point. Uh, and then a quick question to the group. Have you got any sleepwalking stories? I I, I don't, personally. I've, I've never sleepwalked, as far as okay. I'm aware. No, uh, me Adam? either. No? Uh, I haven't sleepwalked. Uh, are you sure about that, Nick? Yes. What about that one time you urinated in the corner of your bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about or, that. Or, or, that's, or, or, are you, or are you claiming you were fully awake and conscious when that happened? I think that that's not sleepwalking. That's so you were awake. Boo, that's that's booze rambling. <laughs> booze ra- mixed booze rambles. He's been Would read. Ram- yeah. He spent a lot of time rambling in beer gardens. <laughs> yeah, one one minute you're enjoying half a pint of cider, the next thing you know you're basically taking a waz in the corner of your bedroom. <laughs> so Adam, no. Tom, no. Nick, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nick, Dave, Clifton, older, yes. Apparently, chink, I, chink. apparently I've done it once. I uh, what, piss in the corner of your bedroom. <laughs> We've all uh, done it. We've all done it, mate. No, 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 no. just you, mate. No, that was more than once. Um, no, apparently, I when I was a kid, I just sleepwalked into my mum and dad's bedroom and demanded marmite on toast really? in the middle of the night. Yeah, How never old done were it you? again. Eighteen. Prob- <laughs> Mummy. Yeah, I mean, I do love marmite and uh, mummy. Yeah, <laughs> love you, mum. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Alan tries to get to the bottom of his listlessness. Listlessnessnessnessness. Uh, he makes a list of possible causes, and yet even with this list, I remain listless. Is that even possible to have a list and still be listless? Either way, it bugs the bleeding shit out of me. Uh, there's then a a long uh, well not no not too long but uh, a footnote about bleeding shit uh, explaining <laughs> it's merely a turn of phrase blood on toilet paper is a common sign of bowel cancer when I check each sheet diligently aware that if there are dots of red it's generally nothing more than a rectal fissure I do not have bowel cancer or hemorrhoids he loves a bum chat doesn't he he does love bum chat any script, script, script. yeah so um, unnecessary but very, so, de- so very, detailed very anally fixated yeah another inaccurate uh, pluralisation he's very much in the doldrums the doldra 
Um, and then he goes on to describing Denton Abbey as Norwich home as both massive and brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the way a kid would describe their house. The, basically. the kind of house you drive past and say, "Shit, who lives there?" Um, he gets irked at this point by Dom Littlewood, BB, uh, primetime BBC One presenter. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of with him on this. To be fair. Because Dom throwing away banknotes uh, and saying uh, you're yeah, wasting like pound, pound after pound after pound. pound, after pound. Yeah. I agree with Alan as well. That's, uh, it's lazy and wrong. Yeah, and the, the way he describes Dom Littlewood, a presenter who looks and sounds like he won his primetime BBC One presenting job in a raffle brackets and probably did. Yeah, agree. D- but Dom yeah, Littlewood, he's Dom Little, Littlewood is is one of those like classic people, a bit like uh, what's her name, Alison from Big Brother. It's like they were on there once. They did a tiny segment. That segment has grown. Before you know it, they're coming back next week and it's a ten minute segment. Then they're like a you know a, a roving reporter. Before you know it, they're basically hosting their own show on BBC One. But then like it's some, staggering. Someone like Alison from Big Brother who does like is it this morning or. Yeah. whatever it is like okay so she came from a reality tv route like where did it, dom Littlewood come from well so alison literally did win a competition to uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So that's, that's also i would say she is brilliant she is very funny and quite you know engaging and she can push relatable. a man in a river like an absolute pro yeah her relationship if uh, i think there's a compilation on youtube her relationship of when she uh, ever interviews hugh jackman is brilliant it's really good okay fair enough do enjoy but we don't know where dom Littlewood came from we don't know no. what he is. We don't know. Okay. Uh, Alan's so vexed by Dom Littlewood, he texts his son Fernando to ask him if he's watching. Uh, <laughs> Fernando doesn't care. <laughs> and he says, uh, eventually, Fernando, Fernie didn't... Fernie, re- yeah. Fernie, yeah. love Fernie. that. Fernie didn't reply. Yeah, Fernie, love that. <laughs> <laughs> Suggesting he changed his mind and now agreed with me. Of course, that's what that means. Yeah. Um, he then goes into a very long uh, tangent about roof insulation, uh, <laughs> counting sheep, and how hard it is to, uh, to get to sleep for him. Yeah, and this, I mean... I can't work out if it's brilliant in the sense of like it's something that Ali- uh, Alice, I've got Alison back on the brain, Alison Partridge, <laughs> yeah, whether, Alison Clunt, <laughs> yeah, whether um, Alan would actually do that. So it is a clever piece of you know writing, or it's just like a naff segue to get him into the loft. Um, oh, I, I can't quite work out where I stand on this oh, in terms yeah. of getting him into the loft. Um, and I mean, it's also worth noting we're on page eighteen now, and we're still no closer to establishing the journey he'll be taking, or <laughs> crucially, starting it. Yeah. Um, but we know what it's called and how long it will be. Uh, starts to imagine uh, the problems there would be with fencing sheep into a field. If you're counting sheep, then they're escaping from a locked field, and that's a problem for him. And as he says, it's another reason to despise farmers. We know he's got previous there, yeah. Man and Partridge. Yeah, there's some nice character consistency with bits like that, aren't there? Uh, and then he's finished talking about loft insulation for a minute. So why not 250 words on scratching his butt? <laughs> what clawing at the angry aperture exactly script 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 and then uh, you'll notice that he misspells one of the instances of script when he's written it down uh, and then he puts that in a footnote saying i've just realized the fifth script was spelt skit this was my error and i apologize but i thought crucially he's not corrected it he's chosen to rather write yeah. a footnote and he replicates that in the audiobook as well so yeah. we could have just changed it then yeah, as yeah, well yeah. nah but it's all about it adds to the word count isn't it Good point. Yeah. Um, yes, and he's been inspecting his loft, but he put a fat, heavy, juicy mag light in his mouth instead of a regular torch, and it stretched his lips painfully, like when the cleaner's not been and there are only serving spoons left. Now, I thought, <laughs> at this point, Sonia is probably still the cleaner. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Possibly. I think by this time he's got a new cleaner that, uh, that is undergoing chemotherapy, uh, who we don't think is Sonia, but I think at this point it might still be Sonia cleaner. We could speculate that it... That it- that it is I'm sure there's a reference about sacking your cleaner or something. Um, he decides to share his thoughts on roof insulation with The One Show, sending an SMS <laughs> to 8882 that reads, My home isn't insulated. Now, I did send that same text to that same number. Uh, to my knowledge, it has never been delivered or responded to. So. But little do you know, they read that out on The One Show yesterday. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. Good that he acknowledges that he's too late for today's show, but they will probably cover it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start today's show, we just need to give you an update on Alan's home. It, it is insulated. <laughs> and as he turns to leave the roof space, he spots the cardboard box that kickstarts this whole journey for a book deal. I mean, meaningful walk. Um, and he says, there's an otherworldliness to the box that he spots. He hesitates to describe it as an aura because that's a word generally used by women who work in offices and loudly describe themselves as spiritual. Yeah, he's got no time for anyone of any kind of spiritual nature. Uh, a deep cynicism, I would imagine, of anyone that uh, expresses himself in any way to be spiritual. Um, and he imagines that the voice of the box uh, is quite camp. Uh, yeah. he, he, hey, Alan, what are you doing? Want to look inside of me? Quite camp, but maybe that's the tinsel. That's right. <laughs> tinsel turns boxes camp. That's how this works. <laughs> So he's not actually investigated the box yet particularly, but the next day he's feeling a good deal better, bright, alert and upbeat. Uh, so he doesn't even mind when Simon Denton pipes up and steals his link on uh, on Mid-Morning Matters. Um, I assumed Alan would appreciate Simon's wordplay. He says, whereas she was Gladys Knight, I'm glad it's mid-morning because it means it's time for your call. I mean, I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah not a bad gag. Really Very good. good. But that's probably the whole point, isn't it? That it is good. Yeah. Hence Alan doesn't like it because yeah. actually yeah. it's competent, it's good, it's funny, it's witty. And then sets about to uh, belittle, uh, belittle Simon <laughs> through the medium of this book saying that he happens to know that he grows a full beard to obscure the part of his face that makes him most self-conscious. Footnote, big jowls. <laughs> uh, so he leaves a few seconds of dead air in which his joke can flap and gasp for death like a like, for breath like a stricken fish and then he also gets him back later by pushing him in a urinal so he's really that, got the that is so good as well and the, the the second that that was said my mind just immediately jumped to uh, Alan Partridge like literally pushing Tim Key into a urinal like it brilliant loved it this so is what, what you did is you, you you read the words and then you imagined it in your and, mind yeah, which is kind of ever, how reading a book works mind blown <laughs> what happened was I went to my mind and then it projected an image inside my mind of that very thing happening and I liked what I saw wow. <laughs> by that point you've seen everything I don't like it I don't like it one bit uh, also, the, stop. also the pushing Simon at a urinal I think that comes back later as well yes yeah, it yeah. Does. it's an absolute schoolboy thing to do <laughs> brilliant <laughs> yeah. uh, their phone in is what uh, what forms of evil should be added to the list of the seven deadly sins uh, Alan's suggestion is a bad hygiene and using rising inflection at the end of a sentence when you're not even asking a question <laughs> <laughs> I knew that you're going to yeah. do that uh, quick question 
the degree, what else do you think should be added to the list of evil? I've got being proud of being stupid and starting to type a message so the other person can see and then never finishing. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, I would go for uh, excessively loud chewing of food. Um, I would go for... Get a reminder of the question. Uh, yeah, what, the eighth what? deadly sin. Eighth deadly sin. Eighth deadly sin. Um, have we had greed? Struggling with this imagination thing now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, I need to project it into my mind. What have you got? Uh, perhaps uh, farting in the same room whilst a podcast is being recorded. Have you just done that? No, but <laughs> other people have it previously. Okay, fine. Um, I'm just going to say meanness. <laughs> uh, it's good I'm glad radio. We waited for that, by the way. <laughs> it's good radio, and I feel good that it's good. Yeah. He says. Um, there's also uh, he says uh, solid answers <laughs> that come in according to Alan clumsiness, vegetarianism, and the sheer indecisiveness of bisexuality. Um, <laughs> These are solid answers yeah. as well. Yeah, they yeah. really are solid answers. But then he claims the topic's been co-opted by chauvinistic tradesmen who call during their lunch breaks uh, and they start naming things they hate about women: shrillness, watching Hollyoaks, taking too long at a cash machine, which are all things I do regularly. Yeah. <laughs> also, it doesn't need to mention that, but he does include it and calls them out because probably deep down he agrees with it. Yes, yeah. absolutely that. Um, he says that he deliberately puts on a bad record, Fairground by Simply Red. So a question to the group, is Fairground objectively a bad piece of music? Whoa there, Alan. Absolute banger. I think it's a banger. Oh, God. I absolutely hate it. And really? And so with Alan. Really? And, I yeah, am mem- shocked and surprised because your music taste is normally quite questionable. Well, my, my memories <laughs> growing up were that my mum loved Simply Red and she would play this uh, record relentlessly. Because it's great. I genuinely can't stand that song. So you hate it because it reminds you of your mother. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Interesting. That's what I'm Genuinely I hateful to women. <laughs> uh, well, Adam, what do you think? <laughs> um, I, I, think it's, I think it's a high watermark for Simply Red. Uh, <laughs> take that as you will. Um, a couple of facts about Fairground. Uh, the video was filmed at Black Pool Pleasure Beach, mostly shot on the Pepsi Max Big One. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was Simply Red's only number one hit with 783,000 sales. Massive. Yeah. Uh, and Alan describes it as an awful piece of music that I sometimes put on when I want to annoy my own listeners. I'm staggered because that is, I would say that Fairground by Simply Red or Simply Red in general would be very much brand partridge. Well, he had Mick Hucknall on the Christmas uh, Know Me Know Yule, didn't Mick he? Hucknall. Mick Hucknall. Mick Hucknall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's obviously where, where the joke lies, that Coogan is genuinely friends of Hucknall, so that that's I think we've kind of discussed this thing before, where Partridge will slag off people that Coogan actually is friends with. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Mick, Huck, Mick Hucknall wanted Huckanall. to uh, bang one of the uh, extras, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably all of them. Um, also, I mean, there is it is possible in the APU that he had Hucknall on the programme and then there was some sort of perceived yes. slight where perhaps he had some of Alan's hummus or something and oh, now yeah. he hates Simply Red. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a nice dig at Pizza Hut here. Um, the, the One of the corporate uh, goons at the radio station said, <laughs> loving the Deadly Sins chat, Alan, but Pizza Hut have asked if you could paint gluttony in a more positive light as it's central to their business model and they are an advertiser oh, absolutely brilliant um yes and then uh, he lurches into the toilets where he finds a colleague don't know his first name rogers filling the kettle from the wash basin he insists it tastes better than the tap in the kitchen which does sometimes taste of chicken but speaking personally it would have to taste a lot better for me to want to stand patiently by a tap while two yards away men are defecating disgusting <laughs> can we talk briefly about the uh tap in the kitchenette sometimes tasting of chicken so that, I believe, links back to Mid-Morning it, Matters yeah, Series does. 1, where he's saying the tea tastes of chicken, uh, yeah. and they have to remind him that he's just, he's he's just, just eating, eating chicken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, so it's that, it's that again. Yeah. Nice. It's that again. He's yeah. constantly eating chicken, basically. That's the problem, <laughs> snacking on but beak. I, I, I like the conceit that, you know, that, that happened once, and he's forgotten what the reason was. Yes, brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, the mag light that he was holding in his mouth when he was up in the loft uh, has stretched his mouth. Uh, this is a bit weird. My poor, lovely mouth. <laughs> modern mag lights are only 2.25 inches across, so no longer big enough to stretch a mouth. Perhaps because he wrote a letter, I don't know. I also thought, why isn't he using a Danko nightstick? <laughs> Surely he's got plenty spare. Yeah, true. Good point. Um, possibly the most unnecessary line the mouth that once suckled at my mother's teat and the first kiss Carol there's just no need to mention that is there absolutely not certainly not the first part um, but it is important to mention that he's brand ambassador for Corsador mouthwash for the whole of East, uh, for the whole of Anglia, not just East. Um, and it's a contractual stipulation that he maintains a healthy mouth. Um, I thought if, if Alan, this is basically a hygiene slip, which in Alan's book is about as bad as it gets. Yeah. Uh, I like the, uh, the, the contractual stipulations that he has for this, uh, for this partnership, uh, as detailed in the footnote. Um, as well as tweet daily about mouths, mouthwash, gums, brackets, fresh, breath, and great taste of Corsadil, and don't slag off Corsadil. <laughs> oh, God. Um, he says that he avoids uh, opening boxes. He's back in the loft now. He avoids opening boxes he doesn't recognise ever since the time looking for printer paper, where he found what he thought was a brown paper bag of humbugs, only to discover they were dead wasps in a dormant nest. But did I realise that before eating one? Footnote, yes, I did, which I appreciate makes the story a bit less interesting. <laughs> I mean, also, why would you just eat an old humbug you found in a loft? <laughs> well, there's 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 a couple of things throughout this book that he references that he considers eating, um, which we'll come on to later, including the like uh, sweat that builds up on his body. Oh, He's yeah. like, oh, yeah. dough, dough, the black yeah, dough. Yeah, the black dough. It's like, I'm thinking about eating it. Why? <laughs> uh, there's a whole page here where I think a very basic gag has, has been elevated very well, where someone warns that, him. That's the book, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> effectively, yeah. Book. Great. Yeah, basic <laughs> gags elevated excellently. Yeah, uh, yeah where, where someone says, careful, that box contains anthrax and lo and behold it's a joke because it's the band anthrax yeah, it's a yeah. box of cds um but uh, again disproportionate comeback from alan uh, much like when simon yeah. ruins his link and he pushes him in front of a urinal he decides to play a practical joke on the anthrax joke man mr gibson uh, by, by having his assistant phone him during one of his shows to tell him his elderly mother had had a fall he was all over the place <laughs> well, as well, alan alan prefaces that with i got into the spirit <laughs> no alan you've got you've misjudged this massively. yeah and you've got your assistant to do it you haven't done anything you just briefed <laughs> your assistant to phone up and uh, deliver that brilliant awful news uh Eamon holmes gets a dig in here um he's basically Alan's looking at the box and tr desperately trying to tie the narrative strands together to, to give it mm. more meaning than it really has he says uh, I'm here with baggy I, I, I'm looking at bits and bobs that once belonged to my father I'm here with baggy lips that resemble my father looking at the personal effects of that father well the first and third points there are the same thing um, so bits and bobs that belong to his father and looking at personal effects of his father yep. that's the same yep. uh, you have to admit that's a staggering coincidence no you don't <laughs> uh, but he says he says this bit this whole bit seems conveniently neat according to Eamon Holmes or a confused mess my publisher or a blatant attempt to drum up poignancy my publisher uh, so those people I say are you calling me a liar and there'll be those who say yes actually so he's off arguing with an imaginary person again yeah, I love it um, yeah. yeah and to this I say lawyer up footnote get a solicitor <laughs> And um, I, th I think we can actually agree it, it's all of those things, isn't it? That yeah. he's been criticised for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he then has a flashback to the 20th of February 1995, pre I'm Alan Partridge uh, series one. This is uh, which was in 97. Um, he uh, he's basically watching his dad's casket being put into the ground. Um, but he does then slag him off by saying that basically he's uh, careless with his money and he tried to buy a new sofa every two years. Quick, did it say 20th of February in the book? Yeah, 20th yes. of February 1995. Oh, okay, no, got it. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. that's the funeral. Yeah, He's, yeah. He died on the 15th. Uh, so it's probably time for a very brief topical quiz, the Alan's Dead Dad quiz. Yay! <laughs> okay, let's find it. Here we go. So 
We learn that Alan's father passed away in February 1995, but can you tell me which of these events, some of them Alan relevant, did happen in that same month and which did not? <laughs> Please try to answer as a group. Number one, did this happen in February 1995 or not? Riverdance opens in Dublin for the first time. Ooh, Ooh I'd go yes. Yeah, I think that's, that's around the right time, I think. I reckon it was... Do you think earlier? Are we basically, is it a sort of yes or no? It's yes or no yeah. as any, a group. Any yeah. one of Greek, Greek consensus, okay. we're both saying I'm yes. I'm saying so no, it's... but you've won. Okay. So it's yes. Correct. Listen to us. The first ever clamshell flip phone goes on sale. Earlier. Yeah, feels Le- it. Yeah. Earlier. I think, no. Earlier than 95? No. no. Later. Really? Yeah, later. Okay. Yeah, right. later. Later. Yeah, it's later. We're going no. later. That's correct. It was 96. Oh, producer Jed, producer got, Jed got, got the, the year right. Two-pack is sentenced to four and a half years in prison, brackets sexual assault. Looking at Just hip-hop, a fun quiz. Looking at a hip-hop man, Tom Dark. I'm going to go later. Trust you? Yep, go with Tom. Incorrect. It oh, was February 95. I know nothing. Electric, <laughs> electrical goods retailer Rumbelows closes down. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, in yeah. Rumbelows. Yeah, I reckon... I reckon it's early. I mean, I know about Foster's menswear. I I've don't know about Rumbelows. Rumbelows definitely existed in 1991 because they sponsored the League Cup that Sheffield Wednesday won. That <laughs> wow. Year. I think that was, I think that <laughs> was the knowledge. start of their demise. They put too much money into it. <laughs> I think it was earlier. Okay. Tom, agreeing with that or not? Yeah, I agree. It's earlier. Like earlier. Yeah. Incorrect. It was oh. uh, 95. Reef released their debut album, Replenish. Oh, so you're looking put your for hands February up. 95. February 95. Put your hands up was 97, wasn't it? I think so. 95. Okay, we're going to go. Jed is saying. Jed is saying. Yeah, we're going with Jed for we'll once. Jed. Well, it was ninety-five, but it wasn't February. It was June. <laughs> so <laughs> bad luck. Former One Direction star Harry Styles was born. Ooh. I mean, that could be true. I reckon ninety-five. So how old would he be now? He'd be twenty. He'd be battered. Twenty-four? <laughs> <laughs> no, older than that. Gonna have to Wait. push you for an this answer. Is simple arithmetic. I'll go now. yes. Yeah, but I'm yes. Tra- yes. 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 Okay, yes. yes. Let's say yes. 24? No. February 94, the year before. Oh, ah. Russian shit. Linford Christie breaks the indoor 200 metres world record. Sports expert Stab is uh, the, the man I to answer he, this. I reckon he broke it earlier. So, no. Incorrect. Ah. 20.25 seconds Sport in February man. 95. Well done, Linford Christie. Uh, third <laughs> Rock from the Sun airs its first episode. Oh, later, hmm. surely. Yeah, I reckon it's uh, a couple of years late, later. later 90s, I'm yeah. not so sure, but I've been outvoted. Correct. Yeah. 96, that aired. The Danny Boyle film Shallow Grave is released. Ooh. That sounds about right. Five. No, it's earlier. I'm going to say it's earlier. Okay. Okay, we'll go with Nick. Yep. Earlier. Incorrect. <laughs> Never listen to I think I've got all of them wrong, sir. So. Yeah, yeah. And finally, on the Alan's Dead Dad quiz, it's ruled that new domestic electrical appliances must be supplied with an appropriately <laughs> fused pre-wired plug. Did that happen in February 95 or not? Uh, I want to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I've got them all wrong. I'm so. going to go with yes. We're saying yes. yes. End on a high. There we go. Thanks for taking part in the Alan's Dead Dad quiz. <laughs> a really good quiz. <laughs> Back to the book. Um, so he's yeah, he's still trying to inject poignancy uh, into this. Um, he, he says, uh, so he's a blur of activity. He's sellotaping maps, letters, receipts, and diary pages to the slanting walls of the loft, etc., etc. Uh, he takes a further step back, forgetting the roof space is now a lattice of twine, a cat scradle. <laughs> <laughs> so, question to the group: Are there any other well-known phrases or words that you've always got wrong? I'm happy to start. I very much used to think that uh, Bowen was a type of wood used to make an arrow, and therefore it was a Bowen arrow. Oh, that's amazing! Ah, yeah. nice. nice, I like that. 
Well, is is this Alan getting the phrase wrong, or is it a ty- or is it a typo on Alan's part? Do we think? Uh, I think he's getting it wrong. I think he's getting it wrong because yeah. he's putting it in. He's putting it in speech okay. marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's and there it are quite emphasis. a few other instances throughout the book where he gets things wrong like that. I'm well. I'm picturing that quite famous. It's always sunny meme of Charlie. Uh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. His, is his name? Is his character name Charlie? Yeah, his character. yeah where he's kind of like in front what? of all the uh, the pictures with the the string. Yeah, yeah, like all the kind of all the good uh, obsessive detective series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, mis mispronouncing mis. Uh, I can't think of anything, but I I recall a friend at school used to think the word remember was pronounced remember. <laughs> um, and I've definitely encountered people that seem to pronounce favourite as favourites. They put like an extra R. Favourite? Wow. Favourite, yeah. That's new. Who are those that's people? Up there with, that's up there with Nesquilk and Draclia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alan trips backwards into the cat's cradle and he's snared in the twine like a naked man. A great reveal of the fact he's been doing <laughs> oh, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. time. <laughs> trapped in the web of a giant information <laughs> spider. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, uh, The box tells of a journey my father made, an important journey, a journey of hope to secure a better future for him and his family, a journey from Norwich to the nuclear power plant at Dungeness for a job interview. Um, and my first thought was, his dad probably drove there, didn't he? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and at this the walk point, is unnecessary. Yeah. At this point, yeah, it really becomes clear that the, the origins of the walk are just someone going for a job interview. And, and that's the genesis of this whole idea. Like, there's. There's nothing of interest uh, already at this point in terms of why he's doing the walk. So you're saying that it's conveniently neat, a confused mess, or a blatant attempt to drum up poignancy? It's all of those things. Yeah. You're very much taking the Eamon Holmes slash his publisher's attack. Yeah. What I find quite interesting about this is Alan's dad is going for this job in Dungeness, assuming meaning that he's going, assuming he needs to be based near Dungeness. He's not going to be commuting every single day from Norwich to Dungeness. So is he going to move the family, or is he actually just trying to start work a new life. an exit strategy? Because <laughs> we learn that he's not actually a particularly yeah. nice man. Yeah. Although that's, well, that's, Alan, that's, that's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Alan's viewpoint of him. Yeah, yeah. Actually yeah. Be I mean, I feel like nice. if I had Alan as a son, I'd probably be trying to beat a retreat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm skipping forward a little bit, but he says uh, about his dad. He became a hard man to be around, and you'll remember in my autobiography, I wrote some hard hitting things about him that worked well in the tough upbringing section. Love that. Could professional disappointment have been what made him so bitter? Like. Like it did with BT Sports Ray Stubbs. Uh, very specific. Nice little dig. Um, I had a little look at Ray Stubbs' Wikipedia and I just wanted to read pretty much without comment the charity work section. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, I don't want to be okay. mean. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean, but I was, but I, was I was in stitches and this was not written as a comedy. Okay. <laughs> Stubbs has been a big supporter of sport relief and has become the project's action hero. In 2002, he was dropped 100 feet into a pile of boxes. <laughs> in 2004, he was suspended from a crane and swung into a giant ball of dung. <laughs> and in 2006, was tied to a post and bombarded by 15,000 bouncy walls. This has to be on YouTube, surely. Is, it, is, it, is this all genuine? We're not done yet. <laughs> oh, in 2007, and Stubbs took part in Comic Relief Does Fame Academy and made it to the last five before being struck down by an upper respiratory tract infection. Despite his illness, he still performed twice on the night before being voted out by three of his fellow students so he could go home and recover. Must <laughs> Oh my goodness. I mean, you know, con- through the laughter, congratulations to Ray Stubbs for some admirable charity work. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying about that. Um, we're almost at the end of chapter two. Um, he says, uh, Alan's sort of forming an idea of, of, of how, how this project is going to go now i know what i must do i must complete the journey that my father never could and i must do it on foot brackets can't remember why <laughs> absolutely brilliant it will be called the footsteps of my father walk let's not forget that a whole chapter ago he already mentioned that it was yeah, called yep, footsteps yep. of my father walk um 
And then he says, uh, he, hears, he hears someone shouting his name. He realises it's his assistant shouting. She sounds panicky because I've ignored the doorbell. She's a ridiculous woman. Every time I don't answer the door because I'm toweling off or thinking or grumpy, she assumes the worst. Just because, bombshell alert, her yep. former friend, a retired policeman, was found dead at home, she assumes we're all going to succumb to a stroke. So R.I.P. Gordon. Yeah. 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 Now that is, I think that is referenced in Alpha Papa, but I'm not sure whether they actually name him by character, but I'm right. sure there is a thing about the, the kind of Lynn being, being on edge or something like that. I must complete the journey that my father never could. I must do it on foot. Can't remember why. It will be called The Footsteps of My Father Walk. My home isn't insulated. Monkey tennis? Heathrow is just an absolute tit of an airport. Quite simply, cows. Monkey tennis? With his stupid Ewok head. Lava on him, Nosey. Love you, Aim. Monkey tennis? A total wazzock of a guy. Infinity, the final frontier. Monkey tennis? We will talk about it now, Mr. Nichols. Monkey tennis? Motherfucker. Gary Wilmot. Okay. Sue Cook. Okay. Dale Winton. Okay. Monkey tennis? Oh, fuck off, Nick. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.